Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our current series. Well, good morning. Happy spring. Are we there yet? I'm, I'm calling it. It's spring, man. Well, we have been for the past month or so, and we've got one more week in this, talking about uh, good ideas. But this week, somebody asked me a good question about good ideas. And I thought, man, let's just start with a good question before we get to the good ideas. Here's a good question. Someone asked me, they said, so if God loves us unconditionally, right? It's not conditioned on the keeping of the rules. Why are there rules? Like, why do we need the 10 commandments and all the other stuff in scripture if god loves us unconditionally he doesn't use those rules to determine his level of love for us why do we need the rules that's a really good kind of straightforward question and i thought we should start with it because it turns out god doesn't give us rules to love us he doesn't give us the rules to decide if he's going to love us. It turns out that he, he gives us the rules because he does love us. They're, they're sort of stop signs, which has been this illustration, right? It's like he loved us so much that he's gone around the world to all of the places where we might run into an accident. And he's put up these stop signs to keep us alive, to keep us flourishing. He doesn't give us rules to decide if he loves us. He gives us these rules because he does love us. And this is why we have called them good ideas, because you've had someone say to you over time, that's a good idea, you should do that. And we've probably all heard someone say, Maybe to ourselves, that's not a good idea. That's not a good idea. Not a good idea. Sometimes we've said it to ourselves after the fact. God's rules are good ideas, they're meant for our flourishing. So here's another good idea generosity. Yeah generosity. In fact, in little ways, it shows up in that list of the Big Ten. We talked about the Big Ten last week, the ten that everybody says they obey and nobody can quote. So let me give you two of them. Some of you caught that. <laughs> Exodus chapter, there's no quiz, I promise, no quiz at the end of today. So here's what it says in Exodus chapter 20, in verse 15, you must not steal well, that's sort of the opposite of generosity. It doesn't exactly get to it, but you sort of see the connection. Or as the King James said, thou shalt not. Remember that? Thou shalt not steal. You must not steal. But a couple of verses later, in verse 17, it piles on. And here's what it says. You must not covet. Ah, your neighbor's house, oof, totally have broken that one a few times, 100%. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, 
male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Hmm. It's getting at something here about how we live our lives. But Proverbs gives us the more positive spin. Let's go there. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, The generous will prosper. And those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Man, there you go. That's true. The generous will prosper. And those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Psalms chapter 112, verse 5, says it this way. Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Hmm. And then Jesus, whew, uh, Jesus is next level. And here's what he says in Luke chapter 6 and verse 30. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Yikes. I don't even know what to do with that. That's like next, that doesn't, that's like, that's like the next level beyond generosity. Don't even try to get it back. Hmm. So what is it that makes generosity so hard to live out in our lives. Well, one day, Jesus was in the temple. And while he's in the temple, he has his disciples with him. And he sees something, and he uses it as a moment to offer an illustration. And he sees the people as they're going, and they would come, and they would give, they would give their offerings to the Lord publicly. This is the way it was done. And, and he uses this moment. Let me, let me read it to you, because what he does is he, he debunks some of our beliefs about generosity. Luke chapter 21, verse 1, he says, While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. And then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. So everybody's seeing this play out. Jesus says this in verse 3. He says, I tell you the truth, which is sort of funny to hear Jesus saying, don't you think? I mean, I read that the other day. He says, let me tell you the truth. Like, well, you're Jesus. Isn't that sort of... But anyway... Let me tell you the truth, Jesus said. Let me tell you, in other words, something that you might not naturally, normally believe was true. So, has given more than all the. a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given every... Like the disciples of generosity, that generosity is about 
resources and the amount that you have. In other words, we sort of secretly believe that rich people are generous, and it's not true. Generous people are generous. Some of those people are rich, sometimes fabulously rich, and I know people who've been blessed with so much and see their resources as God's gift to them to bless the world around them. And what an incredible joy to watch. But I have to tell you, I also know people who have almost nothing by earthly standards who are some of the most generous people I know. Because generosity is not about amount or how much we have. It's always relative. Generosity is about generosity. There's something else with this. You see, the myth, the myth scares us. It, 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 we, we've said this before here, that scarcity is the enemy of generosity. You may remember this back at the beginning of the pandemic when we shut down as a church, right? Like no services. We can't even come into the building. You're not allowed to leave your house. Remember those terrifying times? Like, I don't want to go back there, but you remember, right? And we said in that moment, like this is a moment of scarcity where no one knows what's going to happen, but we're going to lean into it with generosity because scarcity is the enemy of generosity. And let me just expand them because scarcity is built on that, that, that idea of scared, fear, right? We're, we're, we're afraid that I won't have enough. I mean, that's the root of it. Like I, I don't have enough to be generous. Now, this is probably a really good point to, to, to pause and to say that generosity is not only or even ultimately about money. In fact, money may be the face of generosity, but it's absolutely not the heart of generosity. Don't conflate the two. Let's play a little, uh, a, little, a little game here that will help you to see how that plays. Uh, you don't have to answer out loud, but if you want to write it down or write an initial down or something like that, you can. But here's what I want you to do. Who do you know in your life who is generous with praise? Somebody that just, man, they just... They've just always got a kind word. They're just like, man, they see the good in everyone. Do you know someone like that? I know people like that. I know people who, if I'm depressed, I just want to be around them because they find something good and positive and uplifting always and every time. They see good in people I can't stand to be around. Now you know who I'm talking about. They're just generous with praise. All right, here's another one. Who do you know that has been generous with you with forgiveness? Hmm. Do you have someone in your life that's forgiven you two times for the same thing? Three times? Four? How long have you been married? <laughs> right? Like, gen like, whoa. Generosity is not just about 
money, generosity is. Do you have a generous friend? I have some friends that are so generous that I sometimes feel guilty. I mean, they're just, they're just giving people. And at first, when you, when you encounter these people, you're, you're like, what do they want? And then after a while, you just realize they're just, they're just generous people. Do you know why that sometimes makes us uncomfortable? Because we're afraid we can't give it back. <laughs> like, man, this person is this person is putting something into me. I can't, I can't, I can't return. <sighs> their kindness, their praise, their forgiveness, their friendship. I mean, do you have someone in your life who's done something for you you could never repay whoa generosity years ago uh, I was involved in a, uh, a, a national denomination and we were working on an event and I was sort of a, a one timer and I was working with the president of this organization to host the event. So we ended up for a season. We didn't know each other that well. We knew each other by reputation and from a distance, but for, for a period of about six months or a year, we, we were working together a lot. And we would be texting and emailing back and forth and working out kinks and j -j 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 stuff. And at the end of it, I remember I was sitting on my porch, and I was doing my devotions, and he writes me, he texts me. And he said, Ben, I just want you to know I appreciate you. And I'm grateful for your friendship. I remember getting it and going, whoa, whoa. Friend, friendship. This had been somewhat transactional. I mean, we had talked a lot, but, and, 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 and the truth was, I really liked him and I admired him, but I'm like, whoa, we went friend fast. Like, he's just like, I'm, we're friends. Man, I'm great. I'm like, whoa. And I'm sitting there looking at him, and I realize that I'm having these like feelings like, man, what is that? I was surprised. Have you ever been surprised by someone's generosity in your life? Surprised by forgiveness? Surprised by friendship? Surprised by prayer? You know why we're surprised? We're not sure we would have done the same thing. And the reason we're not sure we would have done the same thing is we don't know if we had it to give. We're afraid. And I realized reading this, this little text with this word, I, 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 I realized what a risk he took. Like he put himself out there. Now how am I going to respond? 
I could just say thank you. Emotionally detached, thumbs up. That's the easy way, right there, thumbs up. <laughs> thumbs up and a period. You want to like end it right there. Periods are aggressive in texting if you didn't know. Like, thumbs up, period. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> wall. <laughs> We're not there yet. But I, but I realized that like, wow, this guy is brave. He went there. <laughs> Do you have enough that you can give without expecting to get it back? <laughs> That's generous. Enough praise, enough forgiveness, enough friendship. You see how much generosity seeps into every area of our life. That day, my friend gave me a gift, and it was generous, and I didn't see it coming, but I was grateful to get it. So where does this fear come from, and how do we overcome it? Let me give you one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. It's a verse that I go to all the time. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. This verse is a, a, a series of messages all on its own, but let me just give it to you because I think it leads us at least down the pathway to, to generosity. It says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, I've always taken that passage and I apply it. Power over a love for, and a sound mind to guide me through today. But that's another sermon. I just want to camp out on the beginning part. God has not given us a spirit of fear. It doesn't mean that you don't have a spirit of fear. It doesn't mean that you're not subject to scarcity and fear in your life. It just means that when you experience it, it's not from him. And that fear has no power over you unless you give it power over you. Let me just say that again. That fear, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you're indwelt by Jesus Christ and his spirit, that fear has no controlling power over your life. It has no place in your life unless you give it a place in your life. Again, separate message, but it's a good, helpful foundation for us to build on. So, let me give you some just practical ways to wrap all of this together about how it is that we can live generously. Now, here's the first thing. This is very practical. Ask yourself, what am I afraid of? I love this question. What am I afraid of? No, really, what am I afraid of? What are you afraid of? Remember when you were learning to drive, they did that left, right, left thing, right? When you're pulling out, look left, because that's the closest traffic to you. Look right. Now, listen, when you look left and you look right, you think you're all set, but you're not all set. You need to look left again, because while you were looking right, something might have shown up on the left. So look left, look right, look left. In other words, Dig into your surroundings so that you don't get it. 
Left, right, left. What am I afraid of? Usually when you ask that question in succession, this is what will happen. You'll, you'll answer one thing that's true and two things that are wildly overrated. What are you afraid of? I might fail this test. Left? Okay, well, what are you really afraid of? If I fail this test, I'll drop out of school and I'll never finish and everything will be wasted. Really? Counselors have a term for these. Uh, I think it's called uh, catastrophize. Okay. What are you really afraid of? If I fail this and I drop out of this, I'm worth nothing. It's meaningless. You see, if you ask the question enough times, you'll get to its root and you'll realize left, right, left, when you see it, when you see the thing that you're genuinely afraid of, it loses its power over you. You can avoid it. Ask yourself, what am I afraid of? Now, here's a, here's a second step that you can, you can take. And if you're taking notes and want to write things down, you can write, write it this way. Take one, a small step, just one small step. Move towards the mark of what you're talking about. In other words, do what my friend did for me. Offer someone, just do one thing, Offer someone an unexpected word of praise. Just a word. Say something that is a little bit over the top. If you want to get crazy, use the word love. Whoa. Whoa. Thank someone that's not expecting you to thank them. Notice someone. Offer a word of encouragement, a single word. Just find some place to be generous with your speech to another person. I bet you're thinking of places and people you can do it to already. Once you get rolling, it's a lot of fun. In fact, you start doing it with the people that least expect it. And they don't know what to do, which is half the fun of watching them respond. All right, here's another one. Increase the generosity of your giving. Maybe just take a small step in increasing the generosity of your giving. Here's how a lot of people do that. They peg it to a percentage. 
Christianity is often talked about 10%, but maybe you're not there. Maybe you're at 1% and you want to move it to 2% or to 5% or to 6% or 10%. Maybe you're at 10 and you want to move it to 20. I don't know. That's not actually the point of taking this step. It's just to move it forward. Now, let me say a word of this because I know anytime pastors talk about money, it's like, oh my goodness, here it goes. So let me just say this. I happen to believe that giving through the work of the church is one of the most powerful things we do because it attaches the name of Jesus Christ to the generosity that I'm doing in this world. But if you're here and you're like, I don't trust the church, I don't believe in this whole thing, I don't buy into this, and I think you're just preaching about this because money, then I would encourage you because the Bible encourages you not to give through the church. It turns out that this principle of generosity works anywhere. Find a place that you trust and that you believe in and give something generously towards it. I happen to believe in the work of the church because I believe in what Jesus did, but if you don't, then give generously because there is something powerful about living out generosity. Let me give you one more small step you can take. Offer someone a private, undeserved forgiveness. Did you catch those qualifiers? Private, undeserved forgiveness. See somebody who's just, why are you so difficult? I just say that. And you have the power to do something about it. You have the power to retaliate. Well, here's something generous we can all do. Take one step and offer an undeserved, private, I don't even need to tell you about it, forgiveness. Wow. So, take a small step. And then here, here is something that goes along with that. Turn that small step into a habit. Repeat it. Maybe make it something you do weekly or, or daily. Take that small step and turn it into a habit. Decide, this is the regularity with which I am going to do this. Let me tell you, story about how this played out in my life. So my friend who sent me that text, who wasn't my friend at that moment, but then I discovered we were friends. I didn't even know it, right? I'm looking at the text and I'm like, wow. And, and something in me felt like this is a gift. And I, I got brave. I'm like, I appreciate your friendship too. Just quoted him back. And I realized in that moment, like, wow, I'm really grateful for this person. So a few months later, I was just sitting out, same porch, reminded of that, and just sat there, and I decided to do it myself. I just sent an unexpected message to someone, and I meant it. I just want you to know, I appreciate your 
friendship. And here's what I discovered. (laughs) I discovered something I would have never known unless I did it. I discovered that just being generous made me feel good. You say, is that spiritual? I don't know. I'm just telling you the truth. I felt good because generosity is, it's his rule for a reason. It's what he's made us for. I just, I was like, wow. And I got a similar response back, but it wasn't the response that made me feel good. In fact, here's how I've turned it into a habit in my life. I've discovered this. That when, and this is just my habit, I'm not, I'm not prescribing this for anyone, but I found that at moments when I'm just feeling a bit overwhelmed and discouraged, that's a moment for me to share generous words with someone else. Like, like there's, a, there's a bit of scarcity happening in my life, a bit of fear fear, like I'm overwhelmed, I'm feeling, maybe I'm feeling alone, maybe I'm going through a valley, it doesn't matter what it is, but I'm, I'm in that place and I'm feeling that thing, that's a prompt for me to live generously, and one of the ways that I do that is just with words, I have like, like, a network of people, and I'll just like, Lord, who, who should I lean in with generous words to? What a powerful gift. And here's what I want you to know about living generously. When you do this, you will feel better about yourself. And you will live with less regret. And say, why is that? <laughs> because generosity is a good idea. Jesus said so. This is what he made us for. And when we live it out, we do live with less regret and with more fulfillment because it's what he made us for. Would you bow your heads with me? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Who doesn't love to be around generous people? Generous with praise. Someone who's quick to forgive. Generous with friendship. Literally willing to give and do almost anything. But it turns out living that way is its own gift. We do live with less regret. It does feel good. Why? Because it's what Jesus made us for. He has not given you the spirit of fear, of scarcity, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Father, 
we ask you this. Make us a generous people. Do your work in me. Father, I don't want to live my life fearfully in scarcity, stingy with praise or forgiveness or friendship. So Father, I pray for the one who feels like they have nothing to give. Maybe they've been through a lifetime and they've met so few people who were generous towards them. But in you, Jesus, Jesus, we find you to have been generous in every way towards us. That you literally gave your life for us so that we could have a full life. So Father, build up in us a generosity that pours over to those around us and lets us live the full life you made us for. We pray in Jesus' name.